cliffcentral.com She works hard for my money, Anthea. She works hard for your money, Anthea. She works hard for her money, so we better treat her right. That's right. Anthea. Anthea, thank you very much. Anthea is in Cape Town this morning. Um, first of all, how is it down there? Any water? Um, well, it's raining last. It rained last yeah. night. It's clearing up this morning. <laughs> I can't say it's enough rain, though. It wasn't like a huge storm like we get in Joburg. Are people all very worried about running out of water? Um, actually, not really. I thought there'd be a lot more discussion about the water while I was here, but actually, no. Although I was at a wedding on Saturday, and I suppose people were more concerned about the cabinet reshuffle and what they're going to do than anything else. Oh. I. I that that I swore over the weekend I wouldn't talk about the cabinet reshuffle, and I, I managed to steer clear of it mostly. But but Gareth, you can imagine when you see your asset manager, the first thing you're going to ask them is, "What must I do with my money?" <laughs> I think maybe the attraction for the discussion was me, <laughs> you know, people coming up to me yeah. and saying, "What are we going to do?" And I am afraid I don't have the answer, to be honest. Ooh, that's not great. Well, well, who does? I mean, like, unless you know what's going to happen next, it's really hard to predict what's going on. All right. So let's, um, let's start with Friday's market after, yeah, so, after the cabinet reshuffle. So global markets were fairly orderly on Friday. Our market, as you can imagine, felt a bit more like panic and mayhem. Um, I, I tell you what, it didn't feel as bad as Nene Gate, though. So we finished flat to slightly negative on Friday. The JSE sent out a letter on Friday morning saying that they were adjusting their circuit breakers to allow for smoother trading based on historic event-driven volatility. So what happens previously, or what normally happens, I should say, and particularly in the small cap shares, is that if trades are out of the normal band, so if a share trades 10% down, um, they actually halt on the share for about 10 minutes, the share goes into volatility auction. And really, it's just to prevent any big errors or what we call fat fingers happening in the market. Right. Well, trying to catch their breath and kind of go, oh, did I mean to do that? Um, so that was the first thing to that. And so there wasn't that much pandemonium. Of course, the rand whipsawed all around the place on Friday. Um, I, it managed still to close what I think is fairly on a fairly strong level. I mean, yeah. it was well off the weakest levels of the day, thirteen forty. Yeah, you saw. That. I did see that. It's not bad at all. In fact, I was checking all weekend, <laughs> despite the fact that I wasn't talking about it, just to see what what would eventually happen by Sunday. But, you know, there's a lot of talk. We did an exercise last week that showed that purchasing power parity on the RAND is about 12.65 now. So at 13.40, it's still weaker than where it should be um, effectively. Um, but, of course, the RAND always trades at, or oh, I guess what you could call an emerging market or political discount. So, yeah, I, I think what it is, is, is the uncertainty. There were a lot of people, volumes were high on Friday, 2.9 billion rand trade dollars, sorry, traded. And I think so some people are being forced to rebalance their portfolios while some like the scalpers, the day traders, if you like, are just trying to take advantage of the volatility, but really nobody knows. This could turn on a dime. So I, I think that 
um, if if the president is somehow recalled or impeached or whatever everyone's the vote of no confidence goes through, whatever people are saying, then I think you'll see this RAND trade strongly below 13 again. But if not, what is going to happen, I think it's going to be just a slow demise into 14, 15, 16, because nobody and, – and because it's so binary, you can't really take big positions – and, and as you saw, one statement comes out and everything changes very quickly. Um, I, I think, I guess, the big question is what the rating agencies are going to do from here. Right. I mean, the only people that have actually spoken out was Fitch, and they said on Friday that the cabinet shakeup had heightened political risk um, and had signaled policy policy change, and so could result in a review of the ratings. And I, and also there was a CNBC headline that said South Africa credit rating downgrade inevitable, um, but it hasn't happened yet. So traders, investors are still just watching. You know, I think they've built in so many safeguards already because they know that, that politicians in this country try to ruin and get involved in the economy, even if it's um, indirectly. And I think they've just built in mechanisms to – and this could explain why the RAND hasn't dropped through the floor. Um, we, we're expecting stupidity. So when you expect <laughs> – no, no, seriously, I mean it. When you expect stupidity, when it happens, you're prepared for it. Yeah, gee, that's a funny way of looking at the world. Eh? Well, it's kind of how I deal with, um, you know, there, there are a lot of people who go up to the counter at a, at a shop, for example, and they expect to be greeted like they're the Queen of England. People want to be, and the, the cashier didn't smile at me, and the cashier wasn't happy to be working there, and she didn't even ask me nicely for my credit card. Like they want a meaningful interaction with every human being they meet. I go into a shop expecting Nothing, expecting rudeness and, 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 and viciousness and nastiness from everybody who works there. And I'm never disappointed. I always walk out with a big smile. Okay. I guess that's one way of looking at the world. You know, this downgrade, Gareth, would probably see about $10 billion of outflows from our bond market. Uh, that, <laughs> that I do not like at all. Exactly. And and we spoke about SAA last week, right? And we were saying how they've got 19 billion rands worth of guarantees from the government. They're printing a loss of 4.3 billion rand. And actually, I mean, where does that money come from if we down get, if we get downgraded? Yeah. Our bond market suddenly comes to a grinding, well, not a grinding halt, but we'll see outflows. It'll be harder to raise money. So we, you really do want to avoid it at all costs, but... Anyway, so of course, needless to say, the banks on Friday absolutely took a beating. Nedbank was down over 7%. Barclays, Africa was down 7%. Standard Bank, 65 I mean, it's just nonstop. Discovery as well, down 4%. And then, of course, the retailers, Fashini Group down 6 Mr. Price over 5% down. So really, it, it hurt our, our shares that generate revenue locally. I mean, that that's kind of the the consequence of the of of Thursday's midnight cabinet reshuffle mm-hmm. and then unfortunately for Pembury because they listed on Friday very messy market they listed at 1 rand a share i think mostly the share was just ignored it traded down to 95 cents i mean you remember this is the listing we spoke about a while ago it's a company that provides retirement villages but are now branching out into private schooling. And although that is an area that's in high demand, I don't think Pembury is quite the Advitec or the Curo yet. They may turn into it in future. Right. Um, 
But at this stage, you know, they did that listing and they were listing, they were raising um, in excess, I think it was of 2 billion rand, which pretty much was the full extent of the value of their balance sheet. So it wasn't one I partook in. And talk about listings. We were also speculating that Brian Joffe would list another company. Finally, we got confirmation on Friday. We got the PLS, the uh, pre-listing statement. Um, He's listing a 2 billion rand investment company called Long for Life. Long and then the number for life. Mm -hmm. Um, He'll list it this Friday, the 7th. It is the 7th this Friday. Mm -hmm. And the share code will be L, the number for L. I mean, you know, I think Brian Joffe's a corporate genius, but I really can't say I like that name. Yeah, it sounds a bit odd. Very odd name. Anyway, he is putting in 100 million rand of his personal capital, and then the institutional investors will subscribe for shares for the balance of, of his 2 billion rand investment company. I mean, I was speculating that he would team up with Kevin Hedewick, but it doesn't appear so. Kevin Hedewick's not on the board, as far as I can tell. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said that initially they would focus on local investments and it's very much an opportunistic and entrepreneurial play. Excuse me. So they won't invest in deposit-taking banks, mining, or resources. Um, they would pursue investments in lifestyle or that are lifestyle-focused. He said so. It could include businesses in beauty, outdoor, sport, potentially retirement villages, and restaurants. So, so that's what he said. Now I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm just going to say, I wonder what's happening with Sorbet at the moment. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. Nope, I'm not saying anything more. I have no more to tell you. (laughs) I see them opening up everywhere. (laughs) Well, there you go. Um, And then on the macro front, um, we posted, South Africa posted a 5.2 billion rand trade surplus in February, which was very nice. But of course, with all the politics going on, went completely unnoticed because what you would have expected is a strengthening rand on the back of that. Um, so we saw a nice increase in exports month on month of 9.4%. Unfortunately, I, well, I say unfortunately, I mean, I, fortunately, imports were down 9.7%. So that makes up for the kind of net, the net net balance, if you like, mm-hmm. of, of a surplus rather than a deficit for a change. Right. Okay. And yeah, so that's that's all I've got locally, really. I mean, um, abroad we had in the U.S. consumer spending numbers, which rose slightly in February, but not nearly enough. They, they, they've still got enough inflation and growth in the system to warrant um, um, interest rate hikes this year. So I tell you what, just very quickly before I go, there was another interesting statistic on the U.S. out on Friday, and that was margin debt on the New York Stock Exchange. So what happens when you buy shares, you can leverage the shares. In other words, you can borrow money to buy shares. And in February, on the New York Stock Exchange, they hit an all-time high of $528 billion. I mean, that that kind of leverage really is just a sign that investors are still very optimistic that their their market will continue to rise. Um, it's, it's very much, if you think about it, like somebody who's uh, borrowing money to um, buy a house and then flip the house, you know, to leverage themselves up. So they put down a 30% deposit, they fix the house up, then they sell it at a much higher value. Of course, when you do that, 
you, you, every month you're just paying your mortgage repayment. Whereas when you're leveraging yourself to buy shares and if the shares go down, your margin account becomes negative. And every day as the share falls, you're having to top up this margin. And if you run out of cash, they actually close out your position. And it's a very dangerous game to play if you're not kind of, you're not sure about what or where or how how it all works. And and I, I think what happens with these margin calls is that often when a share is falling, even if it's falling fairly steadily, you know, 1% or 2% a day, it gets to a certain point where you can't reach, you can't, um, you can't satisfy your margin call. And that's when capitulation happens because you just actually are forced to sell out of the shares at any price. And you have to do it before the end of the day because you have no more no more cash to meet the margin call. Um, and the selling really is indiscriminate. So it, it's something to watch because I think if the U.S. market kind of reaches that trigger point and nobody knows where it is, you could see a bit of capitulation happening. Capitulation sounds terrifying. Um, here's a question <laughs> from Ashley who says, Anthea, when we get downgraded to junk, will inflation go up and interest rates or does one go up and the other one down? How does it work? I'm afraid you're looking at both inflation because the rand will weaken and we're net importers of goods. So inflation will increase. Um, and then our cost of borrowing goes up because it's more difficult for the government to borrow money because nobody trusts they can repay it. Um, and so, yes, interest rates will go up as well. And, and that's really the difficulty. It, it's just such a double whammy more than it's probably a triple whammy on the consumer. And at this stage, um, we, we just don't have the room to maneuver. Right. There's your answer. Unpleasant as it is, uh, there's your answer. Okay. Um, thank you, Anthea. Is there anything else you want to throw in? No, that's it. That's enough bad news for today, I think. Thanks so much. You've, yeah, you've filled up our bad news <laughs> counter for this morning. I don't think we need any more. All right. Thank On you that very note, much. enjoy your day. And you, Anthea Gardner, the money shots every morning at about 10 to 7. Cliffcentral.com.